Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. Principal Director and Auctioneer Sam Inan from Bell Property St Kilda joins us for today's episode. Sam leads an impressive team of staff now at 35 and aims to be the most dynamic and customer-driven office in the country. Sam is a committed and passionate leader. He joined the industry in 2009 and has since thrived. He describes St Kilda as the most vibrant area in Melbourne, I would agree with that, and fully understands the nature of his highly sought-after location. He's a smart and savvy man who thrives on fast-paced and social interaction of his work. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. I feel like I was in the perfect match introduction. Now <laughs> I get to sit on a stool. <laughs> Very good. Now, Sam, to kick things off, we would love to know, obviously you've been in the industry since 2009. Um, how, what were you doing before? How did you enter real estate? Can you remember that far back? Yeah, actually, it <laughs> feels like it was yesterday. It's just such an interesting industry. Um, you find that things lead you to real estate. You don't necessarily plan for real estate, but I was running a national car wash franchise. Um, I got a job before I got into university working for a guy in a car park in a shopping centre. And um, I think it was about two years into this part-time job between finishing VCE and and getting into uni. And he said to me, you should should own one of these businesses. They're really (laughs) profitable. And so when I started uni, I did uni part-time. And I started a car wash franchise with this guy at Doncaster Westfield Shopping Centre. <laughs> and so pretty much ran a full-time business, did a lot of my classes and tutorials along with the business. And it was a pretty scary time. But what came of it was I built three shops with him. And then he went through a divorce just to cut the story short, went back to New Zealand mm-hmm. um, to be with his children and left the company in my care. Oh, my goodness. So whilst I was studying a double degree at Melbourne University, I opened another 16 stores as franchises for him and then he cut me into the business as a 50% shareholder. So I did that for a number of years and then um, I had a really bad business partnership. I brought a new person in, it didn't work out Mm. and I had to sort of leave the business side of it, the head office side of it. I had a couple of stores that I still had going And then I took about six months off. I ran a couple of small cafes, almost approaching 12 months. And then a guy that I used to wash the car of when I was like 16, 17, first in the job down in Southland, which is where I was working for this guy, he basically said, you should get into real estate. You do really well. And I said, well, perhaps I should. And that was it. He paid for my course and I ended up working for him. And that was down in Bayside in uh, Kingston in Mentone. Wow. Um, He was the president of the REIV at the time, Frank Hellier. Mm. And then from there, I think I ended up moving because I got married to Blackburn for three years. Yep. um, And then got headhunted for St Kilda. So that's how I sort of ended up in St Kilda. But the real estate side was basically someone saying, you should be in real estate. I never even thought about it. But I love how that comes back from a story when you were literally still a teenager and that person knew you from the car washing business. That's... um, that's pretty crazy. That's, I wasn't expecting that story. No. So that's really cool. Yeah. Really, and really cool. I think it followed my career because I opened so many stores. I think over four and a half years, we opened all those stores mm. and I had stores in Perth, like franchisees everywhere. We had people flying in. I was basically running a franchise mm. from Melbourne across Australia. 
It's insane. And I would have been like 23 or 24 at the time. So it was pretty crazy, crazy times working around the clock, burning the candle both ends, getting ready for exams, cramming to do it. It was an incredible time. Would have been a pretty good training ground for what you then entered when you went to the real estate industry too because we all know how fast-paced it is. Um, I know it mentioned in your intro that you love fast pace. I can tell why. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting you're speaking to individuals on this podcast. That's a common theme is just how fast paced it can be and how there's no time. There's no, it's not a nine to five, obviously. Um, it makes it hard to quantify, you know, where your time is spent sometimes. Yeah, it's so true. Like I think real estate is the ultimate self-development industry. You need to be improving every day. You cannot stand still, and if you're not prepared to work as hard as a surgeon mm. or as a, you know a lawyer mm. at the top of their game, you, you sort of can't make it. Yeah, you can get by, but you'll probably earn the same as a postie. Yeah, <laughs> very different job, but you know, for all that work, you want to be able to put in, be putting in enough effort that you actually see the rewards of it. Yeah, definitely. couldn't agree more. Over the last eleven years, Sam, what was your proudest moment in real estate? Gosh, there's so many. Um, as a sales agent, there's probably a different one and as a director it's different. But as a sales agent, probably auctioning on the block yep. yeah. was probably the scariest and most rewarding. Yeah. Um, what you didn't see in the footage there is I had a break because I had no bidding oh. and I had to basically call buyers that weren't in the room to try and get additional money oh. and get someone to represent them. <laughs> and I had you know other advocates that were there that I could tie them into but I literally had a – 20-minute break and I reckon I lost four kilos in that time. <laughs> but we ended up selling it. We could have literally, you know, sold it for $50,000 profit. We ended up pushing it higher. Mm. I was ringing everyone, Dave Hughes, I was ringing everyone I knew <laughs> and because of that he got me on the radio show later on that week. But that was probably the most rewarding just to get it sold and, yeah. and, and finish it off and be proud of the achievement. Mm. As a director, probably acquiring – our big one of our biggest competitors, Pride Real Estate, mm. in um, December last year. That's probably one of the most exciting. Big rent roll, almost six hundred properties, and wow. three years in the making. Yeah, that's um that's pretty impressive, and would have been a game changer for the business as well. Taking oh. on the the biggest competitor in the area to now be with your umbrella of of Bell Property. That's um pretty impressive. Yeah, and it all happened so quick because Hocking Stewart had been acquired by Bell. That was happening. That was impending. That was going to happen in February. We had this deadline that kept getting pushed back due to financial reasons and what have you. And we ended up doing it all within two months. So we got them on board. Nine new staff to mm. add to our at the time twenty three. <laughs> and then since then we've added three more mm. during COVID. But then we had the rebrand on the first of Feb. Two months after that, and then we slipped into COVID a month yeah. after that. So it was just the most challenging year. But the rewarding part is that we were able to bring that business on with no loss, yeah. no loss to landlord numbers, properties. It was fabulous. Awesome. Nice and smooth and um, I'm sure it'll grow definitely with so. the team you've got. That's awesome. Now I know you mentioned the block obviously sound like a very hard transaction <laughs> for you um, and I can imagine the stress of that would have been pretty incredible. Outside of that, um, can you cast your mind to the most difficult transaction that you've had to to go through? Yeah, I, I remember sp- very clearly a, a couple of very difficult ones. <laughs> the one I want to talk about though is one just here in St Kilda in Wellington Street. Yes. If you recall not too long ago the entire cladding debacle started <laughs> um, across Australia because of what happened uh, in Sydney and it really took the market by storm. Mm. 
Every buyer was asking the question, is there a cladding issue in the building? Residents were asking it. Investors were asking if they'd have to fork out money. Anyway, there was a building here in Wellington Street. I won't say which one. <laughs> they had about $2.5 million worth of rectification works. Oh, my God. To replace and various other things and other things involved with the build that the, the builder had gone belly up as well. So it was at the time that the government, the councils hadn't sort of decided to pitch any money into it about $80,000 per owner. <gasps> so we were in a building, we were trying to sell it. The client was a very good client of mine, initially referred to me by someone else, so I didn't want to let them down and we had to sell that apartment. Yeah. And we had to sell it at a good price. Mm. And explaining to the buyers that this cost was coming up and still selling it was without a doubt the most challenging thing I've ever done in real estate and the amount of work I put into that deal to get oh. it done and the length of time. Yeah. Um, but we got it sold and it sort of set a precedence for every sale after that, the way we structured that sale. Yeah. I learned a lot from it and I've taught my guys and many other people who've rang me since and said, have you ever been through this? How would you deal with it? Mm. Um, you sort of pave a new path. Definitely. I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this who are in the industry and had to deal with a sale that has cladding. I mean, you know, on our side being the buying side, we – wouldn't recommend anyone touch the things with cladding. That's just, you know, people shy away from it and rightfully so. So I know how hard it must be on on your end trying to convince someone that you should take on this risk and it will be okay um, even with an 80, 80K price tag for what needs to be that, – that's hard. I Hats off because I couldn't – I wouldn't be able to sell that. I have no hope. Cheers, <laughs> oh, guys. I think that the hardest thing is it's a first-home buyer's price point. Yeah. So they're already sceptical. Mm of agents and the whole marketplace and very, a lot of them have been burnt trying to buy and their parents are in tow and, you know, the parents are sceptical as it is. They're trying mm -hmm. to get the kids the best deal. So it was really hard balancing all those mm, things. Most definitely. Sam, how do you keep a good work-life balance as director? I think Tom Panos says this beautifully. He says you've, you've got to schedule the time. You've got to make sure you put the time aside. So mm -hmm. if you're going to prospect – you need to put it in like an open for inspection. Would you never turn up or would you turn up late to your client's inspection? You need to have blocked out time mm. in your diary. Yeah. So you need to make sure you block out time for a dinner yes. <laughs> with your wife. <laughs> you need to make sure you block out time for your kids. And I know it sounds very clinical and, and almost, you know, rehearsed if you like. I don't know what the word is for it, but sterile. It, it, you need to do that. Otherwise mm. you can't find the gaps. And then people who work with you, because my calendar's open to about 12 people. Mm. People just book me in and I, I wake up in the morning and my calendar's full yeah. some days when I think I'm going to have a day off. <laughs> um, you need to make sure you've got intervals for everything and, and blocked out times and then you can have that work-life balance because it's time leverage as opposed to time management. Mm. What, what have I got? Yes. And sometimes I cheekily say I've got something so I can have some time to myself. <laughs> It's so true, but I, I must say, you know, upon entering the industry, it, it was this sort of feeling of the, the busier you are, the better you are, and I, and I don't 100% agree with that. Yes, I believe personally about output and putting in hard yards, particularly in the beginning, but if you continue to do that on and on and don't allocate or schedule that time for yourself like you've just said and like Tom recommends, then you can't operate at that level for very long. You know, it's very short-lived success um, and then the cracks start to seep through pretty quickly because you've gone on adrenaline for, you know, 12, 18 months. As you see many probably young salespeople coming through and starting out do that because they want to prove themselves. But I think that's probably where they fall down the most. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Adrenaline will get you so far. You, you need a good dose of it at the start. Mm. 
I don't think anyone's prepared for the beginning of their real estate career. I certainly wasn't. Mm. Um, but once the adrenaline starts to wear off, it's like <laughs> hormones, you know, once they start to settle <laughs> down, um, you need to work off uh, habit. You need to yeah. work off planned strategic, you know, procedures that work ongoing, whether you have a great day or a bad day, they get you through. Yeah, yeah, 100%. For a bit of change of pace, in looking at the industry in a bigger picture, let's start with the actual market itself. I want to loop back into the actual industry, but um, the market, what are your predictions for 2021? The Reserve Bank announcement that just happened Mm. at the start of the month, I think as opposed to the rate cut side of it, Mm. the $100 I think, in government bond buyback, I think is the most effective help that they've put into the system since COVID began. Mm. What a lot of people don't realise is that those government bonds will be bought off institutionals. And when they're bought off superannuation funds and institutionals, they're like the highest rated Mm. asset you can get. They're a triple A rated asset. They're the most reliable because they know governments pay out their interest rates on on their asset. So when they relinquish that, back to the Reserve Bank mm. and they've got this $100 billion back in the system, what do those institutionals have to do? And so before the Reserve Bank announcement, it was, hey, we're going to come off a cliff edge. It's going to be end of Q1, beginning of Q2 next year. Whereas now I'm thinking if those institutionals go out in the marketplace, there's only one other asset real group that gives you triple A reliability in Australia and that's real estate. Mm. And it won't be high capital growth real estate necessarily. Mm. It'll be high yield. Yeah investment grade stock and that's traditionally the stuff that's been battered through all of this yes you know any any real estate agent that's got inner city modern stuff right now is scratching their heads how am i going to sell this how am i going to get buyers (laughs) through it as we start to see the uptake of those buy institutionals Mm -hmm. we'll start to see a bottom-up recovery and whilst it won't be a spike or you know a steep gradient we will see a strong market through next year i don't think we'll come off a cliff edge Mm. i know some would disagree with me yeah but I do like to look at the fiscal side of things and I studied economics. Yeah. I think that's a pretty safe read. Yeah. I think we'll see a good market next year, stable rise and in all the capitals we'll see that. And even just some of those regional areas are now from the city. We're already seeing those spikes, you know, Torquay, the Mornington Peninsula, Yarra, Yarra Valley at the moment. Mm. Things are selling in four days. We know. Yeah. Don't we, Kobe? <laughs> We've just been through a very interesting experience of of um, something up in the Belgrave area that just absolutely skyrocketed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think safe to say that we feel the market will definitely be strong into 2021 as well, echo what you've, what you've said there because, um, yeah, indicators aren't a downward. But for some reason uh, some buyers think that that will be the case and they're holding out um, and maybe vendors are, you know, I'm not sure where vendors are at because we don't deal with vendors directly but, you know, I think as it starts to stabilise a bit more, certainly 2021 will be a, a strong year. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Have you found the industry has changed much since you first joined it? Definitely. Definitely changed a lot. I mean, I think the last time I was at ARIC, someone said that you're now being compared to Amazon. So the experience mm. that you're giving to your buyers and your vendors, the speed at which you respond, the quality of your response, the collateral that you send out or you email out, you're now being compared to the, one of the best companies in the world. People aren't tolerant anymore. No. If you don't call someone back in 50 minutes, you may have very well lost the listing. Mm-hmm. Even though someone hasn't visited them in that 50 minutes, your response time's already taken you off the shopping list. Mm. So I think as people get busier, and this will lead into probably, you know, 
what do you think is going to grow and what do you think the, the opportunities are? I think more and more people will just be less tolerant as they get busier. They'll need more help. Advocates will be necessary or more necessary. Agents will be less necessary mm-hmm. because in order to respond quickly, you probably have to automate more. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that automation now. You know, iPads that open for inspections instead of paper and pen so that you can text people on the spot the contract of sale. Yeah. Because they don't want to wait until they get home or the next day. It's like I get a call now, you know, 20 minutes after it because mm-hmm. someone gave me the wrong spelling on their email. I'm like, where's the contract? Yeah. I'm like, I've just gone to an auction. I'm about to start calling this auction. Where's my contract? <laughs> they don't care. And it's not because they're rude. It's just that's what we're used to now. You buy yeah. a Kindle book. You download it three seconds later. Yeah. They want that instant gratification. Yes. So I think that's yeah. the biggest change. It's a faster, more dynamic, more demanding. But on the flip side, you don't have to sit there writing 10-page vendor reports anymore. People don't want that. They want a quick call. Mm. They want a quick text, a quick video at the end of the open saying, we had nine groups through, three of them like it, the rest don't. Here's the feedback and call me if you need anything. Mm. Yeah. You know, they don't want to sit and read page after page, paragraph after paragraph. It's getting easier but it's getting harder. You need to be adaptive. You mentioned the term there, instant gratification, which I think is a really interesting one and certainly one of our generation that um, keeps popping up in lots of different contexts. How do you feel that that might play out in terms of sales agents seeing things in a, in a short-term vision? You know, people who are seeking instant gratification on getting the next listing and maybe potentially dismissing um, longer-term opportunities. What would be your thoughts around that? I think there's always going to be the people that want the low-hanging fruit. Mm. You know, they don't want to do the nurture work. They don't want to put the hard yards in over a period of time. So you can actually one day take your foot off the gas. Yeah. You know, the, we call it the payback period. Some say it happens at three years or five. It really depends on how much you put in early. Mm. And I think if you're always getting the low-hanging fruit, you're not really planting anything mm. for next year and the year after or 10 years down the track because real estate isn't a sprint. No. It's a marathon. Mm. And so one day that pipeline that's giving you those low-hanging fruits may dry up. Mm. And if you haven't created your own avenue, your own pipeline that's going to keep feeding you multiple avenues, you will eventually go hungry. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. I like that. I like that analogy. It's a very good one. Yeah, mm. thank you. Going back to what you said before about automation and technology in real estate, what is one tool that you can't live without? Well, it's my, my smartphone, I guess, yeah. my iPhone. Everyone would probably agree. Um, but Are there you know, any programs, CRMs that you like to use? Box and Dice has an amazing mobile app mm-hmm. and they just keep evolving it every year. So mm-hmm. whether you're using it to put in buyers as they enter and send off documentation or communicate with them as a group, it's fabulous. But the benefit of having it in a company as big as ours, you know, Bell's 140 offices now as we've joined with Hocking Stewart and Bell, mm-hmm. We've got the opportunity to see what people have visited. Yes. We've seen what they've purchased, what they own live while you're standing at the door. And I think that's one of the most valuable tools I've ever used in real estate. So Mm -hmm. I don't need to go and check three or four different things now. Right there on my little screen, I can say, how did you go this morning at this property and people's jaws drop? (laughs) You know where I've been? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit unfair but it's also – in line with that, what we discussed before, they want instant gratification. That's the level of service they want. And then people say, do you want to come and have a look at my place? Because they just can't believe how connected we are as a brand. Yeah, I think that's super powerful to have that, you know, and it's information and it's readily available information. I think that's probably the key is actually having it there 
in front of you and it is impressive. I can imagine people's jaws would drop when they hear that because <laughs> it's like, you know, and that's what the system is built for. It's built so that you can really shine through in, you, in your craft and what you're doing and you're backed by the tech to be able to, to let that happen. So I think that's um, it's pretty powerful stuff. So, so true and it's changed our lives. Mm. Uh, it's definitely my favourite tool along with what I use it on, which is my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, just in closing, um, we'd love to, and you know, there's people who will be listening to this podcast who are established agents and people who are thinking about getting into the industry. What was the one thing that you wish you had known or been been told about before you started back in 2009? Yeah, look, I think I've met people who are 10 years in the industry and one day they wake up and realise this and there's people who just get it from day one because I've got great mentors mm. um, and they explain it to them nice and early. The market is driven by buyers mm. and everyone's looking for a seller. Yeah. You've got to turn it on its head and start focusing on the buyers. Yeah. Every single one of our top agents is a buyer-focused agent. Yeah. So you need to give many times before you get mm. and if you want to create enormous momentum, give all your energy to buyers. Yeah. Work with buyers advocates. Get them through. Show them things off market. If you can't list, it doesn't matter. Once you've shown them three or four, They'll tell you quietly that they have something to sell mm. and they'll give you an opportunity to sell it. Mm. And if you can sell people stock that can't be sold, you'll still get paid. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Love that. We learn so much doing this podcast. It's great. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. We all, we all do learn so much from each other. Definitely. Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Um, I know people listening have taken some gold out of today's interview. Um, certainly we'll be putting your um, social links in the comments and the show notes below. Cheers, so people can, can check it out. Um, but thank you for all the value you've provided. And, um, yeah, best of luck for 2021. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.